0: Step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time
1: Best Sports Blog winner.
0: With Justin Bradford. Three-time
1: winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC.
0: And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk.
1: ESPN.
0: 102.5 The Game.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. It is a snowy. It is icy. It is wintertime in Nashville because it's going to be 50 degrees this weekend. And that's just normal in how we do things here.
1: Hey, Glenn. <laughs> when, when yesterday morning, it was 9 degrees. So, yeah, it's just normal, It's all, normal things. It's all normal. It makes perfect sense.
2: We, we hope everyone's doing well, uh, as well, well as they can right now and being able to, to escape their homes for a little bit whenever possible, but also being safe out there, too. It has been quite the week for the National Predators uh, going to Dallas and not playing two games and then making their way mm-hmm. to Columbus early. They're supposed to fly there uh, this afternoon, but they flew there a little bit earlier than that. They're able to get out of Dallas, thankfully. And at first of anything, too. Just if any folks are listening from Texas, uh, our, our thoughts are with you that you're getting through everything going on. I know there's just so many just rolling blackouts and folks without power and just sending our best. If you have family members down there, just please send our best from Nashville and that, that we're with them and that we are not the ignorant people that think games got canceled just because of snow and that we understand is because of power outages and infrastructure issues down there, because it's just not built for it. We all know that here in Nashville, how we're just not built to handle extreme types of winter weather, just like the North is not built to handle extreme types of heat. It's just, that's the way it goes. Uh, And we we also
1: recognize, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was just saying, so we hope everybody's doing well down there as well as they can be, and hope power comes back soon. We know just in single digit temperatures, how stressful and concerning and scary it must be to not have power to not be able to have heat like you fully expect to be able to do that in the wintertime for your family so just sending our best down there that everything is figured out
1: yeah i've got family in austin and dallas and they are both without power and water now so it's just i mean we we here at penalty box radio recognize that the well-being of these residents down there is far more important than any hockey game, no matter how much we enjoy the game. So, we are sending our best to all of you.
2: Absolutely. And just again to reiterate, so folks know the games in Dallas are postponed not because of snow and ice, they're postponed because they don't have power. And you can't, in good conscience, have a hockey game at an arena that draws so much power from a grid when you have millions of people without power in an area that would just be wrong. I, for lack of a better word, wrong, that'd be absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. And to go on a mini rant here too. Monday night's game was called, well, first of all, I was doing pregame show with Darren when it got canceled Mm -hmm. and I had to break, we had to break that news live on air and then try to figure out, Oh, what do we do now during a pregame show? That's not happening. But they didn't cancel it until an hour before puck drop, meaning you had multiple fans because they allow fans in the arena right now. But more importantly, you had staff members that are expected to go and work this arena, whether it's ushers, concessions, security, whatnot, to be at their arena, and then the game not happen when they could have called it much sooner and not risk people's lives to go to work. And mm-hmm. that that is extremely frustrating on on the league and on the the Dallas Stars who are there. I mean, if anything, it should be the Stars that make the call and not have the mayor have to step in like what happened there too. It, the league, there's only so much, I think they, from an outside perspective, looking in, but the Dallas stars should have been way more forthcoming in calling that game much sooner before people made spent money, risk their lives, for for the sake of working, getting their paycheck, because I'm sure a lot mm-hmm. of folks are feeling guilty to, to call out and risking their, their lives to, to go to work. They could have called it sooner, and I know there's a lot of frustration from fans and folks down there in Dallas. That's absolutely warranted. Luckily, they called the second game much sooner, and they've already called their upcoming game against Tampa that's supposed to play- take place tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They've already called that game too. So just that's that's highly understandable to be frustrated that way because they've got to be better, especially in this type of, of year that we're, that we're dealing with already. Got have to be better with that. But the National Predators did make it out, and we are coming to you – following two games against the Detroit Red Wings that were pretty darn frustrating, even with the two points that they squeaked out (laughs) on on Thursday, but coming off of a loss on Saturday, that was absolutely atrocious. Glenn, people have probably heard me talk about this way more because I've had different outlets to be able to do that on it's almost a week after this series was played, but your, your thoughts right now on this, on the team, the on ice product,
1: the on ice product is tough to watch and it's making, it's making fans question a lot of things and they have every right to question. Um, You know, I was reading last week, I was reading an article that Adam Vingan had put out on The Athletic, and he had spoken to a girl named Rachel Dory, who worked with John Hines as part of the New Jersey Devils Hockey um, Operations Department back in 2017, and she brought up, to a certain degree, this team still has Peter Laviolette's system drilled into their heads and all the habits that come along with it. That was a quote from Rachel. She said John would prefer if his defensemen facilitated as opposed to being a catalyst. That was just one aspect of the game that she had touched on in that article. Mm -hmm. She knows what John Hines' system is, right? So we get on here every week, and we're not the only ones. There are a lot of people in Nashville who are trying to figure out this puzzle of what is happening before our eyes. So when we're looking at just... Just to reference what she was just talking about, defensemen, when we look at Nashville's defensive core, we're seeing Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, and Ryan Ellis, who, I mean, their game is basically being that catalyst. This is the way that they play their best hockey. So, And that that has been an asset to this team. However, it makes you question now, is that in line with John Hines' system? She's saying that it's not. So are they being the players John Hines needs them to be in order to effectively play well under him, which makes me also question, Ooh. you know, John Hines has a team with a very effective defensive core, arguably some of the best in the league that other teams would kill to have. So you're just saying, is this maybe just not a good fit for his system that he's been talking about that structure? Um Because you don't ever want to feel like the players are going to have to compromise their natural hockey sense and their ability just to fit into this style of play, because then you start to lose some of the creative, hockey-minded plays that we see. But then you have to ask, you know, if the forwards on this team were pulling their weight and attacking more off the rush or transition, maybe those defensemen would naturally go into more of a facilitator role. But there are a lot of questions that we don't have answers to a lot of people don't have answers to, I'm not saying fire Hines because these players don't really fit into his system, but you have to ask what that says about management, because if you go up a level, why are you bringing in a guy whose system doesn't align with the talents that you have spent money to bring in? Um, and what does it say about decisions that have happened after he was hired? So it's just a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. And so I know you asked me about Detroit, but watching that game, this is kind of where my head was because it's hard to even watch those games. You just really start to try to dive in and think, how in the world can they present this roster to us? And this is the product that we get. And I mean, it's, it's got to be frustrating for people that are getting out and the, the limited amount of fans that are able to go to those games. I mean, they made that effort to get there for what? you know? So Ooh. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's heavy. <laughs>
2: it, Glenn, that's two weeks in a row. You're just dropping bops, dropping <laughs> well, bombs of knowledge.
1: <laughs> I feel, I feel the frustration because I know where people are coming from when they're just, Oh, right. <laughs> you know, when you're watching that game and you just kind of throw your hands up, like, I don't know anymore. And it's so, not the right
2: kind of up. It's not hands go exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> it's not going
1: up and staying there. Right. <laughs> it's throwing them up in disbelief. Right. And then throwing them back down, and then going to the other room to do it's, whatever because you don't it's want to watch
2: anybody. Because you bring up a very very good point too, and we've we've seen this whenever there's coaching changes in organizations, and it's really difficult when it happens mid season, and also when there hasn't been full training camps yet. Granted, a lot of teams have dealt with that, but the Predators still haven't had a full training camp with their new head coach. Mm-hmm. That you have to have a the personnel to match a system
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we, we saw slight moves with that being adjusted obviously Austin Watson didn't fit into the system and you could tell it by the scratches that he was getting uh, in the season when John Hines took over he didn't fit in the system that they wanted uh, Kyle Turris wasn't fitting in any of the systems either and mm-hmm. they feel like obviously Mikael Gladlin did kind of fit into what they want to do because they did bring him back even though he was exploring other options I brought him back at less cost uh, but that's a very valid point Glenn in, in that How much, how long do you give a coach and management the time to get the right players and personnel for a, for a system that you're trying to run? We know that Peter LaViolette was very instrumental in terms of the types of players he wanted because of all the different moves that the Predators made with Peter LaViolette to bring in players that fit his system more and then Mm -hmm. making the other players in the system already adjust to what he wanted out of that team. So now I'm curious what that means. And you, you nailed it, too. It comes to management decisions and how we discussed asset management before, too, uh, when mm-hmm. I went off on the whole Tolvin and yep. Scratching thing. And, and it's,
1: it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all tiered. It all, it's it's it goes, all tiered. It goes all the way down from top to bottom where you it have does. to question all of that because the decisions that are happening on ice, they, they continue to work their way up. That's where they're coming from. The people that brought these players to this team
2: and sign and sign them to those contracts and yeah people want to usually blame one person and a lot of times the Mm -hmm. coach is always the scapegoat that's just natural and obviously David Poyle has been a big time recipient of blame right now too from a lot of fans to me and people have heard me say this multiple times like you're saying right now it is top down all three areas deserve plenty of blame I put Mm -hmm. a lot on the players as well not executing the way they need to be executing it's what we discussed before on the power play there, there are plenty of teams that run a one-three-one system and that can be very effective and use it very well. And the Predators, especially in power play unit number one, absolutely have the talent to be Mm -hmm. able to score in power play unit number one. There's no reason why it should be that God awful on the power play. So therefore it comes down to players executing it because they're getting stale and they're allowing it to be stale and that can only last so much until you have to make a change. So therefore blame absolutely is in the players. It's on coaching staff and motivating those players to evolve and instill their system. And it's on management in terms of managing the assets and the contracts that these players have and making sure the right personnel fit, whether that's personnel and coaching staff or personnel on the ice so it's blame all around, and I try to be fair as possible. You, you know us; we don't like to hot take on penalty box video. We're just yeah, we don't yeah. hot take. We're trying to give our absolute fair assessment of things too. And it's not like we hate the organization, folks. We're just we want to see the best and what this team can offer as an organization. And we are going to call it out with a fair way of what we see and what we're assessing on here. And the off the on ice product is crap
1: yeah. right now. Yeah, because I, I mean terms. I think that yeah, if we hated the organization, we wouldn't believe in them enough to even care you know like we wouldn't be questioning so deeply we would just say well it is what it is that's who they are no (laughs) we actually truly believe that they are so much more capable than they're showing us right now and that's where that's where it gets really frustrating
2: it does all right well up next Let's talk about the Junior Predators. The National Junior Predators, the 18U AAA team, just won the Tier 1 Elite League Season Championship. We have Jared Kapowitz, a defenseman for that team, joining us here. Up next, Aaron Penley to Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box here today here in on ESPN 1025 the game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And really exciting news. The 18 U a Nashville Junior Predators just won the Tier 1 Elite League in, in Colorado. I mean, it was a huge tournament over there. And we have Jared Kaplowitz, other junior predators, joining us right now. So Jared, thanks for joining us, man. Hey,
3: thanks a lot for having me.
2: So you, you, People that don't know, we can, we're doing this via Zoom so we can see a big smile on Jared's face. He has a great personality, I've been able to talk with him before as well. But what's this, the, the emotions you've been feeling since capping off this big tournament win?
3: Oh, yeah, really. It's been uh, tons of excitement and um, ha- overwhelmed with happiness. I mean, I'm sort of at a loss for words, but uh, just really excited and happy for, for our group accomplishment.
1: Yeah, so I kind of want to dig into that group accomplishment. This is obviously a very exciting time for you personally and for your teammates. So when you look at an elite accomplishment like this, what does that mean for y'all to have been able to all get there together? Because obviously this is not just a personal win for each player, although it is to a certain degree, but you all kind of, you all joined together and made this happen. So what has that been like for you? Um, Just from a personal standpoint.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, this group of guys we have is really special. And um, our coaching staff is another great group of uh, guys. And we're uh, super, super lucky to have each other. And um, it's just awesome p- being able to play with these guys. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome.
1: And Jared, obviously at times lately, it's kind of felt like we're living in an alternate universe in some ways. <laughs> um, what was it like mentally preparing? preparing yourselves to compete when everybody's daily routines have kind of been shifted and you're kind of having to adjust to that so what's that been like for y'all
3: yeah totally um I mean we couldn't take anything for granted um every day we get to play our sport we love is is lucky because you never know when things are going to get shut down again and um just taking it one day at a time for sure
2: and, again, Jared Kapowitz, the Nashville Junior Predators 18U AAA team joining us just fresh off the Tier 1 Elite League Season Championship. And so the team you play, you face in this championship, Bell Tire, they're the two-time defending champions and you guys got to face them as well what was that like in terms of getting yourself hyped up and just knowing how previous contests have been against them and knowing how they're a very good team I mean most of the junior teams from Michigan are pretty darn good so what does that mean to be able to face them and to get over that big hump to, to defeat Bell Tire and just what does that mean to you guys as a team to know that you've made that huge accomplishment
3: yeah uh, I mean we faced them uh, a few times over the years already and uh, they're a great team um but we, we knew we had to bring it for this one last game against them. In the finals, that was uh, all the excitement we needed, just having played them in the past and everything.
2: And, and what's this tournament like? For those that aren't sure, because these types of, of, of games and leagues, you guys are going all over the place on the weekend. So it's like you're doing schooling during the week, and then it's big-time tournaments on the weekends, like to Colorado. And then you come right back and you have to do school, or you're traveling to other states and doing these things like that. So what was this whole – weekend like for you in terms of take to kind of take us through this weekend and and who you guys play and what that whole experience is like for folks
3: yeah um so it was a uh, it was one of our longer trips for sure being uh the playoff weekend and sort of the finals of it of our league play so um i we left on a thursday flew out to denver um friday we played two games uh one in the morning one in the evening um and then Quick turnaround, we played Saturday, pretty midday about. And then uh, that was like our first three round robin games. So sort of placing um, like where we would be going into Sunday. And uh, fortunate for us, we we played well, won all three of the games. And uh, we, we moved on to the semifinal. And um, Sunday was the semifinal game. And uh, we beat the Ohio Blue Jackets and then uh, moved on to the finals against Bell Tire on Monday, Monday morning. And then,
2: uh, yeah. That's a lot of hockey. I'm that exhausted. is a lot.
1: I'm exhausted now. I'm, yeah, I need is. a nap just hearing about
2: it. <laughs> yeah, what, what is it? Because I've seen it multiple times where it'll be, you guys might play a morning game, you will play an afternoon game. How do, not even mentally. I know mentally you guys are into it, but physically, how draining is that? And how do you recharge your bodies between games so quickly when things are happening like that?
3: yeah um it's quick turnarounds a lot on especially on the days when we have two games but um uh, we we take ice baths we not the most fun thing but uh, we make sure to get those in there and um, definitely hydration uh, we we work with a nutritionist uh, miss bree she's the best she she tells us what we need and um, she works with us a lot and helps us for sure
2: I can only imagine how you need how it takes a team of people to make sure you guys are all set for something like this because I've seen plenty of the 18U games and I mean physicality is an understatement <laughs> in a lot of these games <laughs> uh, you guys are throwing their bodies around that's for sure so also I mean for folks that don't know too you've also signed a tender as well with the Springfield Junior Blues of the NAHL. and so you're kind of setting up your future. Uh, to go on to the next step in, in hockey, just how is it exciting for you to know that you have future steps set in place that you can take it to the next level when you're ready?
3: Yeah, uh, definitely very fortunate for that opportunity and I'm excited for that. But um, I mean, the help of where of the the coaches that I have now um, have helped a ton and um, just still being around them every day is awesome um, as they continue to help me develop as a player and a person off the ice
2: okay now th- this this is the question that i think everybody's been wondering too if you haven't seen it folks we're going to post it on the website and we've already retweeted it i'm pretty sure too but your celebration <laughs> in one of the games you're playing the fiddle or the violin i mean it's up to people to to decide did you pre-plan that did it come naturally and what inspired you to play the fiddle after scoring
3: <laughs> yeah actually funny story um Going into the ice cut at the end of one of our periods, uh, I said to uh, one of my teammates, Hayden Nickel, I was like, All right, we're going to race first when the score gets to do that celebration. So I knew (laughs) right when I scored, I had to, it was my turn. So.
2: And, and it seems, too, I was, I was talking to uh, Tony Golio with uh, Total Package Hockey as well, that it seems like guys always know where the cameras are. <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you haven't seen the celebration, you got to see it. It is absolutely a classic, and it's one of those things that is unique and obviously very fitting for, for Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and one of those things, too, that it, when you're playing in these games, just how big is it and important? Because I know a lot of these games get really tight. How much does it mean to you just to be able to score a goal in these games that mean a lot?
3: It it means a lot. I mean, without my teammates, I mean that goal wasn't possible. I mean the puck movement to set me up for that was was awesome by my teammates. But um, I mean I'm a defenseman. I Don't score as much as the forwards normally. So I mean any goal you get's special for sure.
2: But I can tell you've had some good media training. You love to talk about your teammates, man. That's that's bravo. <laughs> you're set. Question. You're set for the pros. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you are. And I wish that people could see your face. I can see so much excitement when Justin asked that question and all the questions. Your face lights up when you talk about your teammates. And that's huge. That's huge. I wish that people could see that.
2: Yeah, you probably had some good eggs today. Cap knows how to make some good eggs.
3: Definitely <laughs> had some good eggs.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, before we have to let you go, I know Glenn loves asking light around questions to help get to know a lot of the hockey players in our community. So, Glenn, right over to you.
1: All right, first sporting event that you remember going to as a child?
3: Um Atlanta Thrashers games.
1: Okay, okay. Love it. Your yep. favorite hobby outside of hockey? Uh golf. Okay, look at you. Arena that you'd love to play in one day?
3: Uh, Madison Square Garden for sure. Yes.
1: Nice, nice. Favorite sports team growing up?
3: Uh New York Rangers.
1: Okay. Did you binge anything during quarantine?
3: I did. I watched um, Outer Banks and All American. There
1: Those
2: have been go. popular answers. They have yeah, <laughs> very
1: much so. All right. Your favorite movie that's not a sports movie? Step Brothers. That, that one has come up too. too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So then on the other side of that, your favorite sports movie?
3: Either Miracle or one of the Mighty Ducks movies for sure.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, very solid. solid (laughs) And last but not least, your best sports memory. Now this can be of another team that you enjoy watching or your own best sports memory.
3: It's pretty fresh on my mind winning the the league championship (laughs) this past weekend. That's definitely number one for me. Yep. It's a that's very a, good one.
2: It's, it's, it's yeah. a good one, especially when when a, a team from the South can go and dominate like that. That's a, that's a darn good sports memory to have. Uh, well, well, Jared, we wish you all the best, man. Can't wait to keep following your career. And thanks for taking the time to join us and congratulations once again.
3: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, Jared.
2: Jared Kapowitz, everyone, defensive for the Nashville Junior Predators, the 18U A team, the Tier 1 Elite League champions. That is a big deal. For folks that don't know, that is a very big deal. A lot of the kids that are playing uh, Tier 1 Elite are going on to play college hockey. They're going on to play in the NAHL and the, the USHL. So there's a tremendous amount of talent. I mean, you hear Bell Tire, Compuware, uh, Fox Motors, these, these types of, of junior teams based out of Michigan it's a big deal hockey and for the oh, Nashville yeah. junior predators to, to get over that, that hurdle and to go out and beat bell tire. That is huge for this program and what it means for the growth of junior hockey in in the middle Tennessee area and the South, uh, because these kids are coming from Huntsville. These kids are coming from Atlanta and throughout uh, the, the Southeast to play for the Nashville junior Predators. So tremendous there. And, and Jared, I, I love, I love the way he answers his questions. He is set for the pros when he talks about his team, Glenn.
1: He really is. And when you, especially at such a young age to have such a great grasp on the importance of your teammates and how so many so many times you know you find that people are very they talk about their own game a lot but when we mentioned teammates to him his face lit up he was excited he was proud he was very grateful you know when he talked about how they just had to keep their mind in the moment of you know what this could be taken away from us at any moment. That's a very, very positive attitude to have. So he was a pleasure to talk to.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, the bet between him and Hayden Nickel, <laughs> who gets the Oh, that first. was so
1: great. That, I, knew, I knew it was my turn. I had uh, to. <laughs> I'm glad,
2: I'm glad. All right, well, up next, let's preview the National Predators taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Brian Hedger of the Columbus Dispatch will join us next year on Penalty Boxer to ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box You're here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and joining us now, let's go ahead and preview the next set of games that should be played for the Nashville Predators. They didn't get to play against Dallas, but they will be playing against Columbus. They arrived in Columbus, thankfully, and the Predators got to practice. But of the the dispatch in Columbus, Brian Hedra joining us now. Brian, how you doing, man?
0: Doing pretty good. How are you guys?
2: As well as we can be for an ice storm. <laughs>
1: yeah hanging in there and trying to stay warm so yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's funny we're uh you know down here uh i'm from michigan originally like southeast part and and then i spent uh, about 15 years uh, 16 years in chicago so i'm so used to the snow and then you come down here to columbus about three years ago and and this is the first winter where we've actually had some snow and some ice like i mean it's usually kind of just rainy and mild during the winter (laughs) And here, and we've been bombarded. So people, you know, around here, are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> I think it's kind of funny to see uh, how everyone reacts to it.
2: It's uh, This storm has been just crazy how it's gone from all the way to the, the U.S.-Mexico border, all the way to the northeast now. And I mean, with us, we had yep. an, a, a day straight of just sleet, not even snow or freezing rain, but just pellets of sleet hitting us in, of like two, three inches, four inches in some parts of sleet. So it's it's not fun. That snow is fun. Sleet's no. not. <laughs> no. it's,
1: it's hockey weather, though, right? Right. It's definitely, definitely hockey outside. <laughs> it,
2: absolutely That's is. Right. So the, um, the, the, go ahead, Glenn.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, um, we here in Nashville, we're obviously no stranger to this type of weather, but we're also no stranger to ugly losses as of late. Justin and I spent the entire first segment of the show talking about how, when you know the lineup is so much more capable than what they're giving you on the ice. And I know that Columbus has experienced this as of late, these woes of thinking, you know, when, Patrick Laine and Jack Roslevic were brought to booster this team's offense, and they have, but something clearly is just off. So especially looking at that 7-3 loss you know, to Carolina on Monday, um, what are you seeing? Are you seeing this disconnect? Are you seeing, like, what does this look like, especially when they're about to play a team on like nashville who is experiencing that same type of inconsistency so just what are you seeing overall from this team that just doesn't appear to be working
0: well i I think it starts with a guy uh and a name that you guys are very familiar with down there it's seth jones um i mean seth jones has been just so i can't even describe how excellent he has been you know for this franchise for the blue Jackets the past three four or five years i mean he has been by far i think i think one of of it's not the best two-way defenseman in the nhl and this year he is just off to a very slow start he, he's um he's struggling and it's not just him i mean I, you can't just put the finger on him but it starts it, it starts with him because he is the big the big guy like you know this team is built around their defense and, and this team has has forged uh, an mo of being hard to play against and you know, you don't want to play against the Blue Jackets because, my God, it's going to be a long night for you, you know, no matter who you are. And it's been completely the opposite. And it's a lot of it is their defensive zone play. Um, they're trying to, A, clear the defensive zone, and, B, uh, turn, you know, them regaining possession into a transition to offense. I mean, it's, it's, they're struggling in both areas. And, you know, combine that with some dis- defensive misc in front of their goalies it's been ugly and they've got it they've got to turn around and you know it's not just the defensemen, but you start there because that's their engine and when their engine's sputtering they're sputtering
1: and when you're looking like after a loss like that looking at the team's response are you seeing a team that is frustrated and maybe a little discombobulated or are you seeing this team saying, you know what, like we're going to leave that one on Monday. We know what we're made of and kind of a team that's, that has enough composure to be able to leave that game behind and, and look forward. Well, I mean,
0: it would be easier to do that. If these were, if there was just like a one-off, you know, if that uh, seven to three loss on Monday was just kind of an outlier in the middle. I mean, the, I think it was for their past seven games. They've given up uh five or more goals. I mean, that's just not blue jacket talkie. And I think that, you know, I think they're reeling a little bit, to be honest with you. I, I think that this the whole thing has thrown them off. I mean, you have to look at it also. Um, another thing that, that is affecting them is, and you mentioned Patrick Linea and Jack Rostwick, uh, you know, coming over in that deal that sent Pierre-Luc Dubois away. Well, that's a two-way deal. I mean, you're getting ready of to your top center there as well, and then you're bringing in um, two really high-end forwards, but it, it depleted their their you know proven centers, I guess you'd say as well, even further than it was already depleted. So they've got some new faces in the lineup. You got Max Domi, Patrick Lineen. Jack Roslevic, uh, you know, Mikhail Grigorenko. you got all these guys, a lot of new faces, especially up front in the lineup. Michael Delzato, another one, a uh, defenseman who's been playing pretty well of uh, late, or, or to start, I should say. So you've got a lot of new faces and a lot of, a lot of guys who are trying to kind of learn on the fly John Tortorella's systems and uh, the coaching staff's systems offensively and defensively. And it takes a little while, and, and you throw in there, this is a season in which you had a training camp that lasted less than two weeks. There were no exhibition games. Uh, so there was there was no, like, forgiveness period for these guys to kind of come in and be like, oh, that's how you do this, or, oh, this is what you want me to do in this situation. So they're learning all this stuff on the fly, and it's been kind of ugly, and so they've got to figure it out. Um, as they go along here. So I think the quicker that the new guys can kind of, you know, figure it out with the guys who've already been here, um, you know, that'll help. But they've also got to get some of these guys who've been here a number of years going too.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and again, Brian Hedger, the Columbus Dispatch, joining us right now to help preview the the game for the Predators versus Blue Jackets coming up this weekend, or the, the two-game series coming up. And Patrick Liney I know he's been mentioned, but that trade is one of those ones that kind of, took headlines in the NHL so it's a pretty big one when you think just about where these players were drafted the expectations between Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine just what were your overall thoughts when this trade was announced and how do you think Laine is fitting in overall and for the future of this organization do you see Laine being a part of that
0: well it didn't it didn't actually surprise me all that much um, it probably should have but it didn't <laughs> because You know, you come into this season, and right off the bat, before they even put a skate on the ice, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has basically made it known that he wants out, that he doesn't want uh, want to be here. He signed a two-year contract, but basically, I mean, somebody let it out there that that he only signed that contract to facilitate a trade uh, somewhere else. So you start off right off the bat knowing that the top center doesn't want to be here anymore. So then when you know that, you start looking around the league and you start saying, well, I mean, what, where are some potential fits that may happen, you know, and you look at Winnipeg immediately. You say, well, Patrick Liney didn't exactly want to be in, in Winnipeg anymore. Uh, Jack Roselvick is from Columbus, so we knew that he wasn't exactly a big fan of going back there because he was stuck, uh, you know, down the lineup. He wanted a, a shot play higher uh, up in the lineup more minutes. So there's two guys that kind of want out of Winnipeg. There's one big guy who wants out of Columbus. Winnipeg and Columbus are not the same division, even in this realigned stuff now. Uh, so you start looking at it and say, well, maybe that's a fit right there. Um, and I think that's what ultimately happened. I think that Yarmo in the GM of the Blue Jackets and uh, um, the Winnipeg Jets, I think they, they were talking. I think they hammered out this deal a while back and uh, maybe except for like you know maybe the draft pick the third round pick or something that maybe that was the one that put it over the top and then I think Guillermo just stuck it in his back pocket and said you know what I have this here they're willing to do it I'm willing to do it and if the situation arises um, we're going to pull the trigger on this one and the thing is though I don't I I'm fairly sure that they didn't want to have to go that route. I think right. that they were going to try and stick it out with pierre Le Dubois, see if he could like just hey play a season here, get back with your teammates, you know. Let's let's try and let bygones be bygones here. Maybe we can work something out. You know, just play hard, whatever. And, and to his credit, uh, Dubois at least said the right thing when he you know when all this stuff came out. He said he was going to be the best teammate he could be, and it just didn't happen. It just we all saw it. It didn't happen. He was not playing great and the trade became necessary. So it didn't really uh, surprise me when it happened. As far as Line A in the future, I mean, I know for a fact that the Blue Jackets would like to keep him long-term if they can, Uh, it's been a bumpy ride already to begin with a little bit. You know, he had a benching there, uh, evidently had some words with an assistant coach that led to that when that was like a less than a week into the, into his uh, tenure here. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I tell you what, and that came on the heels of a game against Carolina, in which uh, uh, Liney called it the biggest joke he's ever seen, where basically they had that whole you know, screwed up penalty kill thing or whatever or the offside call, and they allowed the gold. To I mean, it was a soap opera here for about three oh, weeks, man. you know, for two weeks. It's been crazy.
2: <laughs> that sounds extremely crazy and I mean we're not even we're about a quarter of the way into the season so I can only imagine the rest right. of the season what it could be like it's fun right. times yeah. in the NHL
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah yeah well it got to be a point here where people were just like god how much does this team just need to have like a week and a half of just Game practice, game practice, and nobody says anything, and it's boring, you know, and there's, there's no drama, that kind of thing. Now you know, they go out and they get plastered seven to three on Monday. So, you know, they, it, it just never ends.
2: And, and it'll be curious to see what happens uh, this weekend and next weekend because the Predators and Blue Jackets play each other four times in a span of just a little over a week. So it could be some fun yeah, times yep, between these two yep. teams, old rivals meeting again, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you for have sure. Chicago for in between. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah.
2: it'll Look, be really curious. looking
0: forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to that five-hour drive down there again.
2: Oh, man. Well, it'll, it'll be good to see you and to see your face again, Brian, and thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your insight, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on. Anytime you guys want, I'm
2: here. There we go. Brian Hedger of the Columbus Dispatch joining us. Uh, I've known Brian for a few years, and he always keeps it real. That's the the thing right there, Glenn. And we've had him on the show before. Whether it's about the Blackhawks or now about the Blue Jackets, he keeps Mm -hmm. it (laughs) real. And
1: that's all that you want. That's all that you want out of somebody like that. Is they? I mean, they don't sugarcoat it. It is exactly what it is. Um, And if that gives Nashville fans any comfort... (laughs) You are not the only one experiencing these woes with your team. I mean, the drama that he talked about is just like that's everybody's drama. being kept on their toes right now.
2: <laughs> that is <laughs> like that is real drama, too. That is, that is real, real drama. NHL yeah. drama. I mean, the Rangers yeah. have had some good real NHL drama. The Blue Jackets has had some good real NHL yeah. drama. The Predators are just a cluster. So at least there's just that. I
1: mean, yeah. <laughs> that's just a cluster just, on the
2: ice, but at least not that the, drama right now.
1: Yeah. It's a year for everyone. So it's it's it rough. <laughs>
2: Already. Oh man. Wasn't it just March last month? Was it? Yeah.
1: I think <laughs> it was like 2 months ago. 2 months ago
2: maybe. Okay. Yeah. Up next, we have a few questions that came in and more to discuss here in Penalty Box Radio right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and Glenn, you're tr- you're making this a new thing now of having some nice trivia to put me on the spot, and I love uh,
1: putting I, you on the spot when I can, I because I can I can see your face. So if you're stunned, I like to see that. I'm just well, here to make your life miserable. Oh, thanks. A good
2: job? No. <laughs> oh, oh wait, hold on. Speaking of the Blue Jackets and a player oh, they gosh. just traded away, the Winnipeg Jets have now placed Pierre Luc Dubois on injured reserve.
1: Oh. The timing.
2: So Just timing. remembering that uh, could have brought that up. but <laughs> Yeah. How about that? But anyways, Glenn, your trivia.
1: Okay. So on the topic of the Blue Jackets, prior to the establishment of the Blue Jackets team, there was an NHL team in the state of Ohio that was there from 1976 to 1978. Mm-hmm. Do you know the name of that team?
2: It was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm but now the name of the team is escaping me and i'm not going to cheat i'm not going to cheat but i do know it's cleveland
1: i will Uh, give you a hint do you want a hint hint, please the cleveland blank it begins with the letter of your middle name which is just a letter barons yep that was it
2: that's right see good job it was was in there somewhere i just needed that push so thank you for that the cleveland (laughs) barons and when were they active again
1: 1976 to 1978 so a very so small window so, so if short. you're ever doing a hockey trivia there's your answer you're welcome
2: that's, I, i'm just glad i remember cleveland i'm so... you did good good <laughs> thank you oh, thank although you. in
1: all thank fairness you know cleveland comes to mind when i think of ohio too but
2: i mean Cedar. that's usually point the first for me it's <laughs> cedar, point. It? cedar point more than anything oh, okay. else I, I like roller coasters
1: you do you do
2: you know it did come in in my facebook memories this was obviously a while ago because we went over the summer when for some, like randomly we decided to go to carowinds
1: oh my gosh yes (laughs)
2: there's just pictures of you and like the mascots the peanuts mascots
1: and those came up on my memories too and i laughed because do you remember you took a photo of me with lucy yes and do you remember she didn't look at the camera at all she was like kind of looking at me and i was like is she trying to like i didn't know what she was doing i either said i was like she's either trying to kiss me or she has no idea where she needs to look and so it was this very awkward photo of like i'm five one for reference and then this like massive lucy is like holding me and her big head is looking it was it was very uncomfortable but it I'm made sure. for a well, it, great
2: photo <laughs> it was a hilarious photo well i just remember the trip there because we took so many back roads and state highways to get there because it's not a direct shot to get mm-hmm. to that part of north carolina from nashville and i just remember too that we're both having to use the restroom so badly and there were no exits no rest to areas stop. and it finally got to a rest area where there was one bathroom <laughs> That yep. was it. Like, okay, you go first. You go first. It's okay. <laughs> I, can go, it. I can hold it. I can hold it.
1: And I also have you to think that trip was my first experience with cookout. This was before That's Nashville right. had a cookout. That's right. Just a drive Justin, through only. Yeah. Justin took me to my first cookout. And I got I think I got um oh my gosh. I think I got like a corn dog as a side with the fries and yeah. then maybe a burger and then a milkshake. Like I was I was set. Oh, it was good. yeah.
2: We, we were st- we were looking for a place to eat near the amusement park and we because we didn't want to mm-hmm. spend amusement park prices. And like, yeah. cookout. Oh, people talked about cookout before. Let's see what this is all about. And boy, oh, boy, did That's... we learn. It was good. We learned pretty quickly. Uh, I do want to throw this out there, folks, too, because just like as a public service announcement, had to venture out today briefly, took three tries to get out of the neighborhood, but able to get out and did not have salt or de-icer, so used kitty litter on the driveway. <laughs>
1: Hey, I use table salt on my steps. So you (laughs) do whatever it takes.
2: But the big thing, please, please, please make sure if your car is parked outside, please clean the ice off the top of your car before Mm -hmm. you go venturing out. People may not realize it, but what you're doing is your car is going to heat up as you're traveling because the heat's going to be on your car. I'm assuming it's going to Mm -hmm. melt that layer of ice just enough. And when the wind catches it, it's going to lift that ice up and it's going to become an ice bomb That is potentially going to shatter the windshield of someone behind you cause tremendous damage to a vehicle behind you or kill someone like I'm not going to sugarcoat it you could absolutely kill someone like that uh, by causing an accident so please clean the roof of your car with that much ice that's accumulated in the Nashville area on top of vehicles please, please take the extra few minutes to get the ice off. What I've noticed too, is if you warm up your car a little bit and you melt that thin little layer, a lot of times all you have to do is chip it and it'll just swipe off. It's that slippery. It's not snow. It is ice and sleet that has just accumulated there. So please do that. It's for your safety, for other safety, because I saw it today of sheets. We're talking sheets that were two, three feet wide flying off of cars and luckily only hitting the street. But all it takes mm-hmm. is for one of those things to hit a vehicle behind you, and you're causing an accident, causing injury, and potentially death. So that's my PSA. Not wanting to rant, but really just taking yeah. in, in terms of what's important, because we don't deal with it that often, so it's not front of mind for a lot of drivers out there. They just you know, clean the windshield off, and they're able to go. No, please, you got to clean your whole car off.
1: And also for your own safety, for your car safety, check under, like right behind your tires where all that ice drips. Um, there's going to be huge chunks of that. Make sure to kick that off because if you turn your wheel, mm-hmm. there's a chance that that ice is so sharp and it, it has cut tires before. So be careful.
2: Absolutely. Just your friends. We're, we're your friends trying to take care of you. And, and do what's best so you are having a much, much easier time traveling out there. And so with all this other winter weather coming in and everything, just please be safe out there. Only venture out if you absolutely need to. And listen to some podcasts. We have plenty of podcasts on Penalty Box Radio to keep you entertained. So that's all you have to do is listen to Penalty Box Radio. Uh, we have fantasy hockey podcasts. We have other podcasts out there too. College hockey things that we're talking about. And speaking of college hockey, we had a question come in. From Save UAH Hockey, should UAH's away jerseys just be the Fox Motor ones from now on? For those of you that are not aware, first of all, the University of Alabama in Huntsville, the only Division One program in the South, to always want to remind people of that, went to Northern Michigan. They they had midweek games, and <laughs> first of all, they won. They they won. This is a Marquette, so they went to the UP of Michigan. For those of you don't know, the UP is very very far north. And the team forgot their jerseys. The Chargers forgot the jersey, and because of the (laughs) ice storm, they weren't able to get shipped up there to make it in time either. But the the UH Chargers won their game last night against Northern Michigan, and in that game... They they were wearing the jerseys of the of a junior team up there <laughs> called Fox Motors. Like you mentioned them when we had Jerry Kapowitz on. They're a junior hockey team, and those are the jerseys they were wearing. And the Chargers went out and won the game. So of course, it, those are the new away jerseys.
1: And it, it just has to be. I loved to their Twitter incorporating motor into all of their tweets. Yeah. <laughs> and someone had actually sent that picture of that um, car fox saying that should be the new mascot
2: oh my gosh twitter Twitter
1: was having fun with it
2: but people were were screaming because it was like only a very few college hockey games going on on a tuesday in the middle of the week usually people know it's friday saturday saturday sunday but obviously Mm -hmm. scheduling has been having to be weird right now to to make up games and everything too but (laughs) so i saw some people post a picture like what what went on here? What's going? What's going on? And I think Peyton Turnage had a couple fantastic, fun tweets making fun of it, like what I ordered, what I received from Wish. Oh
1: yeah, I, I did see that one. Oh, he's so he's so
2: clever. There's, he's the he's the again the play-by-play announcer for the, for the home games for the University of Alabama in Huntsville. So congratulations to them! Big big win against Northern Michigan. Already having a much better season this year, even though it's the the weird season that it is. But they're having way more success, and with a lot of youth and a lot of young talent. Uh, with the University of Alabama in Huntsville, so congratulations to them. We did have a question come in from Rob. What flavor cupcakes do the National Predators media prefer?
0: Mm.
2: That is a a good question. I just like cupcakes, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Glenn, do you have a preferred cupcake flavor?
1: Well, I'm not technically media, but anything that's a cupcake, red velvet is usually my go-to if there's an option, Um, but I am not opposed to just a regular yellow cake with chocolate icing cupcake. But if I'm picking, if I'm picking, I'm probably going to go with red velvet first.
2: Red velvet. I just had these red velvet cupcakes are ordered from a local baker here who's just kind of getting started Mm. off as a baker and she Mm -hmm. delivered and it was fantastic. It was red velvet Mm -hmm. with salted caramel icing.
1: Oh, Justin. What? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> i want one what's well, I'll, her name i'll, yes. I'll
2: send you I'll, I'll send you the information so you can order and she delivers within 10 miles of, of a location as well so okay okay there's that if, if you want the information tweet me folks i'll send it to you she also does bread sourdough breads all different kinds of breads located um just in brentwood area so do, do that my one of my favorite flavors obviously is red velvet but i really like when the, the predators in the media room have the mini cupcakes i love the wedding cake ones
1: Oh, okay. Wedding not cake too with sweet.
2: Not too sweet.
1: Okay. But
2: the icing is is perfect and it's just nice bite size for me. But for real folks, I just like cupcakes. I did
1: <laughs> too. I do I'm, too. Sometimes people I've found can mess up something like a wedding cake, uh, because it can just be too overpowering. But when they're made right, whew, it's yeah. good.
2: Yeah, just make sure they're nice and I have to say the word because it's the only word I can say. They have to be good and moist for, for a good oh. cupcake.
1: I'm just what? kidding. I don't I don't mind that word. I know so many people in so my life that mind do. it though.
2: <laughs> I know. So I apologize, folks, they if do more I offended than mind you it. with that. Like
1: they they, gag, they, they and... hate
2: it. They they yeah. hate that word. But yeah, I mean a good chocolate cupcake. I really like ones that have a little they where they will put the, the cream inside. In the middle? Bit, in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I did yeah.
1: that. I did that over um in the fall. I made a pumpkin spice with a cream Ooh. cheese topping with um, a little bit of pumpkin seasoning on top of that. But in the middle, I did pumpkin flavored cream cheese. So it was a nice surprise to myself because I was the only one biting into it. Um, when you got in the middle, i love cream. I love a little surprise in the middle, as long as it's supposed to be there, obviously. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so th- this doesn't have I'm not anything talking with... about
1: an apple and a worm. I'm talking nah. about a good cupcake with oh cream cheese.
2: <laughs> this does not have to do with cupcakes, but it does have to do with pastries because Fat Tuesday. Obviously, mm-hmm. just happened, and the king cakes were very popular. Well, it was so funny because I think it was a week ago. Christopher Martell, used to be with Fox Sports Tennessee, tweeted me <laughs> with a screenshot of remind Bradford to bit to, to bring a king cake because oh, last year, yeah, last year at the Predators game, I found the baby. That was my little surprise that I found but obviously we can't bring cake to Predators games right now. We can't bring anything yeah. aside from a laptop and that's about it uh, as media to Predators games. But it was funny that he put a reminder in his phone <laughs> to remind me to bring to cake. Remind- <laughs> it was supposed to be on me.
1: Well, I mean, oh, I hate to do this. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but you know, I grew up down there in right. the Louisiana. So we were, Mardi Gras was everything. So I don't think you want to know the consequences of not bringing the cake the next year when you were supposed to,
2: but it's a pandemic, Glenn.
1: <laughs> um, I'm just saying, Mardi Gras doesn't stop for anything or anyone. So, so you should have listened to Martel and found a way.
2: Am I gonna die now?
1: Am I- no, it's gonna be much, much worse. Oh <laughs> no. no! Oh no! <laughs> I'm just messing, JB.
2: No, 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 you're not. No, no. I know that that part doesn't mess around when it comes to the, that, that culture. There's no, that's not messing around. There's no I, messing
1: around, no. There
2: ain't no, there ain't Man, no messing I around.
1: I did not have a king cake this year. I usually, my sister will often send me one, but this year has just been different. So she usually will express, deliver me one that's from New Orleans. And I didn't have one this year, so.
2: Well, then who's in trouble now?
1: I know, I know. <laughs> because actually technically yeah i found the baby every single year because i'm the only one that eats the cake that she sends so <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i did say i did have some uh what punchki i did have mm. i did have some of those found those at kroger mm-hmm. and okay. got those so it did tis the season for those as yeah. well so yeah. I, I had i had one of those they're very delicious but anyways folks we've got to head out thanks so much for tuning in if you want Find any more information. High school hockey, the state championship, while it was delayed, it's happening next week for the high school state championship in hockey. Next Wednesday, we'll be broadcasting that on Penalty Box Radio Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash penalty box radio. So we'll have that as well as a preview show coming up for high school hockey for the state championship and the all star game coming up too. So make sure you head over to penaltyboxradio.com to find all your information on the national predators and local hockey. We have you covered on there. So for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time here on ESPN 102 survive the game.